You're listening to The Magnet Podcast. Okay, so we'll get started. Okay. Hi, welcome to The Magnet Podcast. I am Lewis Kornfeld, and I'm speaking today with the lovely Chet Siegel. Hi, Chet. Hi, Lou. Nice so, to be here. It's great to be here, too. Yeah, I'm very excited for this. Uh, me, too. Uh, um, we were just talking about a whole plethora of stuff before mm-hmm. the conversation started, but let's dive in right now. So, uh, uh, Chet Siegel, you are recently taken over as the managing director of the Sketch Program here yes. at The Magnet. Uh, um from uh, the incredibly you, capable and incredibly pregnant Beth Newell. Yes, she is uh, uh, equal parts capable and pregnant. Yes. Uh, um, uh, so tell us a little bit about the sketch program at The Magnet. Great. Well, the sketch program right now is um, it's it's rapidly expanding mm-hmm. um, in, in a really nice way. Um, we have house teams um, that perform similar to Megawatt, you know, uh, on Sunday nights. And um, right now we have six teams. Uh, this season, I suppose, is just about to end, and um, we're doing something kind of new and interesting for this summer. Uh, we had each team apply for a weekend run for a Friday night show for an hour-long concept show. So normally, when the sketch teams perform, they're performing new material in rotation every two or three weeks, um, a brand new half hour with another team on Sunday nights. So for the summer, we asked teams if they were interested to apply for uh an hour-long Friday night spot for a run of three shows. So they'd be doing the exact same show, roughly, you know, of course, adjusting, you know, to make sure that everything works or if, if something doesn't work, take it out or punch something up. But um, they would be doing the same same show uh, three weeks in a row and writing an hour-long structured show. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been really fascinating to see how the diff- what, what the different teams pitched. And uh, so many of the ideas were so good and so many of the ensembles are so strong that we even gave, um, we had three Friday runs. The Mrs. has one in um, in June. Uh, Cash has one in July. And Baby Shoes has one in August. We even gave two of the other teams party and, um, and Action Park Sunday night runs for an hour because the concepts were so strong and the teams were so good. Mm. Um, so it's been fun to, to meet with those teams and see how they're going about the task of creating a show that has some sort of structure and has some sort of like overall theme, but without being redundant or, or tiring you know yeah so that's been a fun challenge working on it because i'm on the missus as well so i'm in the sketch program and i'm sort of overseeing it yeah which is kind of a fascinating place to be because I've, I've been in the sketch program since it it began since it was just ripe in the training center on like sunday nights at like midnight mm-hmm. you know so it's it's been interesting i mean the, the coolest thing about it i think is that these teams get to perform so often and it's brand new work as, as often, you know, is every three weeks. They're constantly writing. It's a quantity thing. And another thing that I think sets our program apart from other programs is that um, everyone is a writer and a performer. Mm-hmm. Everyone is expected to write. Um, mo- everyone is pretty much encouraged to perform, you know, uh, and that, I think, strengthens the body of work. Mm-hmm. There's an understanding of how every part of it works. And it's small enough that, like, everyone on the team is also in communication with the the, the tech person so now the teams are responsible for like putting together their cue sheets and and, you know communicating with the tech themselves so like i think the teams are also getting a sense of you know how the theater of sketch works you know it's it's so much more involved and time consuming than improv is yeah and uh improv you spend uh you know two hours or three hours rehearsing with your team a week and then you perform for 30 minutes you know sketch is theoretically endless amounts of time like it's really not done until it goes up Mm -hmm. and even then and even then it's probably not you know um it's so it's it's really fun to watch these teams get systems in place you know that that start to develop a style together like all these diverse right like because writing is incredibly personal and figuring out how to write uh a show together that has a a united voice despite how different each individual voice may be on a Mm -hmm. team is really interesting is that something that um you or the directors consciously aim for or is it more sort of getting a unified voice getting a unified voice i think it's 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 more abstract than that because you don't want you want diversity within a group um but each team has a unique voice i think like uh there's an energy to each team like party is very uh it's directed by al king is is very presentational they're very good with big you know uh big ideas big themes um they they deal a lot with you know uh for some reason, I always think of like old Hollywood when I think of them. They're mm-hmm. just they're they're very uh, they they're very good with a presentational style. So I've been talking to them about um, 
possibly doing uh, for their, um, I believe they have an August Sunday run. Uh, it's, no, I think it's, it's either, no, it's July. Sorry about that. Um, they're going to do like a kids show theme. They're going to create their own like a la Saturday morning cartoons. And this is actually like right now, the very last Saturday morning cartoon program, I think just got canceled or mm. is in the process of being canceled. In reality? In reality. Really? Saturday it's, morning it's cartoons It's a legitimate dead? end of an era. Wow. And they want to address that yeah. and uh, create their own character and maybe deal. And what I've, what I've, when I've been meeting with these teams to talk to them about their concepts and challenging them, and we've dealt with this in the misses too, of like, it's not just, we don't want to see an hour of a kid's show right. where it's all, you know, the, the, the joke of it being, you know, um, uh, something where uh, there's, there's darkness, you know, being pushed through the prism of, of, of being pushed through like this lens of, of a happy, fun kid's show is going right. to tire. So it's like, Who's watching this show? How do you how do you find ways to like treat this theme as a as a curve? And how do you make each sketch a tangent that touches mm-hmm. it just on one point and and has its own trajectory? You know, um, so that's been interesting. It's like, well, what's what are, what's the programming that's going to take over for it? Yeah. You know, like thinking about that, or like how do the kids feel that grew up on it? You know, what are those kids that like take that those ideologies and like grow up and become fully formed people? What are they like if they followed those rules exactly? You yeah. know what I mean? Like. What are the different ways you can play with it? So I think like putting being on a team with like-minded individuals in sketch is incredibly important because you you you've got to be able to understand how someone else is funny and figure out how to make their sketch while still being in that person's voice yeah. as good as possible. Yeah. And I think being able being on the same page taste-wise is really important because you're curating a show. Right. So taste is is so much more important. Um, I think it's important in improv too, but I think even more so. That you that you get each other just because it's it's so much time. Yeah, it it. So going back for a sec to the Saturday morning cartoon thing, mm-hmm. uh, um, I don't know if this question makes sense, but I will ask it anyway. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, um, I was talking with someone not too long ago about sci-fi and about mm-hmm. how um, if you want to kind of look for philosophy, you can go looking for it in science fiction because science fiction, good science fiction is all about kind of uh, um, posing questions about the world that we're really living in and sort of exploring, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. How much for, in your point of view, uh, um, is like good sketch comedy or good comedy in general about kind of thinking about, like how much of it is about uh, 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 having a point of view about the world itself versus how much of it is about just crafting a product that's Mm -hmm. funny? Or, or is that even a meaningful question? No, it is a meaningful question. I think, hmm, I think it's it's one of those things where um, hmm, it's interesting. I th- I think it's 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 like what first came to mind is um, you know, one of the things we did recently as part of the sketch program while Beth was still in charge was, was, um, and she worked with Megan on is, is lady sketch show. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it lady sketch show was a group of just all women writing, all women performing. And the idea being that, you know, to try to increase, uh, increase the number of women who enroll in sketch classes and, and participate in sketch programs, you know, and to just demystify the process of sketch in general for mm-hmm. any group of people. Um, just so happens that they're women. Mm. And so you could say that the united perspective there is a female one, mm. a female point of view. But when they all went around the circle and we, we tried to talk to, on the first day of like, what do you find funny? What do you think is interesting? You know, what do you what are you interested in writing? And so many people say, you know, oh, I want to write about issues that pertain to women. I want to write about this. And I think actively when you're writing a sketch, you can't think of things so hugely. Right. You ha- you're you're singling out just as you would in an improv scene uh, a very unique experience or or um, or point of view. It's yeah. it's it's too small yeah. to to be like all encompassing in terms of philosophy. Yeah. So I think in theory, yes, when uniting a group of people, it's like okay, this whole group of people appreciates like dry humor, so I think they'd be good together. But like seeing the world dryly, I don't think you can actively sit down. It, I think it's it, it can be like it can be cumbersome to have too strong of a, a point of view of how you want your voice to come across when you're trying to write. Well, there's also like, there's something to that of going and have an already kind of determined your point. Yeah. You know, uh, um, makes the writing process sort of just proving something that you already and know. And preachy. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not funny. You've got to have moments. I mean, it's weird because writing is so structured, but you want to have moments of, of spontaneity yeah. in your writing. And yeah. I think if you're treating it as a thesis that you're trying to 
prove through a series of beats, yeah. it's it's they're not essays. They don't yeah. they don't come across well. You want to get you don't want the audience to get ahead of you. And yeah. it's it's not um you're not presenting an idea. You're dealing with a behavior mm. and how the behavior affects a world. Like that's what game is in general mm. to me. I, it's not an unusual behavior. Like a guy walking around farting all the time isn't you know a game. The way that the world sees his behavior, the way that that affects, in my mind, I, the game is something that's like very, you know, everyone has a has a different opinion about it, but it's it's the way that that unusual behavior affects the world is the pattern, yeah, um, and that's the thing we want to follow. So when you're writing comedy, um, uh, do you have like a, a, a time tested method that you use, or is it sort of every sketch is its own unique child to you? Um, it's like. I, th- I think it is its own unique child because in a way, like, and I, the concept is, is liquid and the structure that the sketch takes is the vessel. Mm-hmm. And like, depending on the liquid, you're going to need a different vessel. Mm-hmm. How much, you know, whatever it is, you know, Armando talks about like scene length as being uh, like a bridge, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the river's the idea or the thing you're trying to cross is the idea. And sometimes you need a short bridge. Sometimes you need a long bridge, you right. know, so it, it, it depends. Right. Um, would that be sort of like the way that like kids in the hall sometimes will do sketches that just kind of they get their joke and then they stop? Yeah, That's sort of it. It's a blackout sketch. Yeah. yeah, because it's some ideas you don't need anything else. I mean, but there is like in general some of the rules I try to apply is like I want the unusual or funny thing. I want the first joke that's like, oh, this is this is what the sketch is about to mm-hmm. be in the first page or in an ideal scenario, first half page of a sketch. You right. want to just know what we're dealing with because they're they're lean. They're like poems. Like. Yeah you kind of don't want anything in there that's extraneous atmospheric sort of stuff. You know, it can be funny, but it like, it doesn't move this thing along. Mm-hmm. There's the time is more precious and condensed in a sketch. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a little bit like a pop song in a way, right? Yeah. Like you got to kind of get like, get that chorus mm-hmm. in there, get that catchy melody in that people can like, yeah. And the verse them. is going to be the way that you like, you know, you, you move horizontally, you figure out how to get to the next way to activate this game, yeah. you know? Um, to get that to get the course again. So in that sense, I do. I yeah. try to have like, a, you know, you want to have three beats in a sketch. You want to have at least, you know, where, where this unusual behavior or game is activated three different times in, in not the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to see it happen in different, in different ways and get, um, and get it to its most heightened point. I think sometimes the most, the most difficult part of writing sketches is figuring out how to end them. Yeah. And I think that's something across the board that I'm, I'm noticing in sketch teams, um, it's interesting to find the way that everybody is is trying to figure out how to deal with buttons. Because mm-hmm. um, a button shouldn't be just a restating of the game. It shouldn't just be, oh, well, this is the behavior, end of the scene. Mm-hmm. It should be in some way a shift. Something should change. I mean, I often say, like, look to the barometer of the straight person in a sketch to figure out where to end, how to end it. It's like, mm-hmm. what has this what has this behavior ultimately caused? You know, what has changed by the end of the sketch? Like, it shouldn't be... It's a scene. We want to see some sort of action. We want to see some sort of change affected. Mm-hmm. And so that, those are sometimes the funniest buttons, you know, is when like someone, someone, you know, in the background of the scene comes forward with a unique perspective on what has all just happened right. or, or the reality has shifted in some way or someone has changed their mind. Like when there's some sort of reversal um, in an unexpected but still true to the pattern way. Right. That's interesting. So, so is there an, do you draw a distinction between sketches and scenes? Or is it a sketch is just a particular kind of scene to you? I, 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 oh, I see what you mean. Um, like in terms of like playwriting or scene or scene. Yeah. Well, like, for example, if you listen to like old recordings of Nichols and May, mm-hmm. um, funny as hell, but I wouldn't I consider those. them sketches because they don't really have that same. I think of them more as scenes. They're a little bit more about this kind of unfurling relationship and they're a little bit more about kind of uh, uh, trying to alter each other yeah where sometimes in sketches uh, sketches seem a little bit more pointed there's a little bit more of a focus on uh, and a tightness too yeah you know like not to say that people aren't aren't altered over the course of the scene but mm-hmm. there's there's a clear game that's being driven home in a sketch where in like Nichols and may there's a little bit more freedom to mm-hmm. to kind of breathe if you know yeah. if that makes sense i think right now um yes I mean, I would, I would still consider, it's interesting. I still consider Nichols and May, like, uh, when I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to go through the catalog of my brain of the, of the whole album in retrospect. Yeah. Um, I still consider those to be sketches. Yeah. Um, because they, they, they have game. They have a clear, they have a point of view. There's, it's just elongated. Their style happens to be a longer mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I do, I do see a difference, I guess, between a scene and a, and a sketch. Would a scene just be a sketch that's not funny? No, because I've seen sketches that aren't funny. Sure. <laughs> but um, uh, I think a scene is can be less focused. Mm-hmm. More room for so so you also do a lot of uh, straight up acting. Yeah, I do a lot of theater and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So so when you're looking at uh, you're learning a new script, uh-huh. um, are you are you looking at it in the same terms as you're looking at a sketch when you're performing in that? Are you looking for the kind of dramatic equivalent to a game to the scene, or is that something that you kind of more intuitively approach? Like, do do you draw a distinction when you're about to perform in a sketch and perform in a, in a straight play? between how you're going to be approaching it or is it still drawing on your same resources as an actor? Same, same resource. I mean, it sounds bizarre, but it's really the same resources, um, which both come from improv mostly, which, uh, is, you know, what is my character trying to do Mm -hmm. actively? What is, how do I, how do I make this thing that's already predetermined as active as possible Mm -hmm. and seem as fresh and as if I'm trying to come up with these things uniquely from this character's perspective. I mean, oftentimes the biggest difference between performing in a sketch and performing in a play is like the starting emotional state, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, sometimes there's, there's just a tone. Like I think with, with sketch, sometimes performing like you want to look at to the style of the sketch like that'll be of the bigger difference is like plays aren't as these contemporary plays that i've performed and haven't been as stylized Mm -hmm. so there's not like a a, the tone of the i'm not trying to match the tone of the world in a way i feel like there is that like uh there's a a more heightened awareness of a sketch of like the actual world you're in versus when you're in a play yeah and you have a lot longer to develop that sort of like sense and tone um, uh, just because the sketch is so much more condensed, I find that the choices are sometimes are, are bigger. Mm. Um, but other than that, there's not too much of a difference. What makes a really good sketch actor? When I think of a really fantastic sketch actor, I think of Christian Pollock mm. and there's no, we don't. And I think this makes the same thing for an, a fantastic improviser is you're not seeing the improviser. Mm-hmm. You're seeing this these characters. There's no commentary whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There's no awareness of of the world that you know that, that of the things that are already going to happen to them. They're mm-hmm. not they're not thinking ahead of the sketch even though they they are because they know the lines and yeah. even though an improviser might because they know what their character's motivations are and like know the obstacles ahead of them or um but you don't want to see any of the writing. Yeah. I think that's what makes a great sketch actor. Like completely malleable someone who is able to be still in the right moments as well. You know, you're, it's, it's very tricky sight lines on stage, just particularly the more people that get on stage. And I think stillness is an underrated, <laughs> is a very underrated tool yeah. of, of giving focus to other people, even in improv scenes, you know, totally. Uh, it's, it's incredible um, how much more powerful your lines are if you're being efficient or your movements are, if you're not constantly pacing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes a good sketch actor is like, constant awareness of when they're needed and when they're not and how to just completely fully commit without showing the seams of the character in any way or commenting on them. Like one of the, one of the big improv notes I give all the time is like, um, a cocky guy doesn't think that he's cocky. He thinks he's right all the time. So there's a difference between playing someone who's cocky versus playing someone who's right all the time. You're going to get a more nuanced specific performance by just trying to be correct and trying to make sure everyone sees that you're doing it wrong. I, I know I'm trying to help you. It's a different kind of cockiness. Yeah. Um, because you can't try to come off as you want to be perceived. You have to figure out how to actively be that thing. Yeah. I, a lot of times people get hung up on playing the attitude rather than yeah. knowing the thought behind that attitude exactly. and, 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 and what you're trying to actually do mm-hmm. to people, how you're, tr- how you're legitimately trying to affect people rather yeah. than, uh, um, just kind of yeah. how you look it, it with that stillness thing too, like, uh, I think across the board, whether you're talking about like straight up legit acting, which I hate that distinction uh, to call it straight legit. up legit. It yeah. just it just means that you're committed to a longer yeah. show with a slightly different tone. Rather it's endurance than a short versus sprinting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it, good acting is good acting to me across the board, and mm-hmm. and for me that thing of like not moving too much, all it does is it means that when you do move, there's a sense of purpose and meaning to it, exactly. rather than the kind of arbitrariness that gets attached to to improv and and mm-hmm. sketch sometimes. Um, but another thing, like I love with stillness cause I'm a big fan of it myself, you know, uh, um, I like watching people think 
on stage. Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, that's like a hallmark of really great acting is it's where I, I, I know what's going through your mind. And I think so often people are afraid to, mm-hmm. to let a thought actually occur on stage, to let a thought be, because like, even though this is going to sound so stupid, even though a thought is inside your mind, mm-hmm. uh, your mind is inside your body, which is part of this environment, which is part of this mm-hmm. moment and whatnot. So really your thought is just an extension of what's happening in this moment. Oh yeah. And what's great is like, um, I always think of film acting when I think of thinking, you know, yeah. watching someone think is like, sometimes people will treat characters as if they're this thing that's separate from them. Yeah. Right. Like it's a puppet that yeah. they're feeding information. Like they have to come up with something and then the character can say it. Yeah. And it's so much like we want to see the transparency. Yeah. Like really good actors are, and really good improvisers are just always constantly being affected and figuring things out. And like, there's so much of film acting because I've done a little bit of that. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm on a, I'm, I'm working on a new web series, and so we're we're still in the like figuring out what it's going to be phase. But uh, with film acting, so much of it is just not what you say, but just thinking about it and actively thinking about it in a way and just letting go of, of how you're expecting it to manifest like facially and, yeah. and in your body. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Cause you can watch it when you think about movies, how many scenes are people actually talking in? Yeah. You know what I mean? And how, how, how many scenes do you actually get information from? Yeah. You know? And so many times it's like, it's like the, it's the silent scenes. I, I've been uh, in classes recently. I've been really big on um, like silent partner scenes. One person mm-hmm. gets all the dialogue. The other person just listens. Yeah. And uh, the thing that you see all the time with the silent partner is that they try to act. They try to like make faces and they try to yeah. do object works. And so it's constantly a thing of like coaching of like less. Just like Calm do, down. do the least amount that you have to do. And the note is always like literally just... Pay attention to this other person. Mm-hmm. Let them have that dialogue. Pay attention to them. Um, and then uh, uh, normally if I'm teaching like a Harold class, I'll switch it up for a second beat and then they switch roles. And like invariably when we do like feedback mm-hmm. afterwards, everybody across the board points to the fact that the silent person was was the interesting thing to watch in the scene. That's really funny. Because you're watching someone uh, uh, – respond you're watching someone actually like take in rather than try yeah. to manipulate or try to create and it's always super interesting it just I, yeah. uh, transparency i think is exactly the right word i i always think in terms of like clarity too mm-hmm. which is something with really good performers when i'm watching them yeah. there, there's an essence of clarity to mm-hmm. the really good ones that sometimes you don't see in people who are kind of struggling to do too much yeah you know it's just they just let it happen yeah in a, in a really great way you've got to just be at like at kind of relaxed I also think of when I think of really good sketch actors, I think of rubber bands, like people who are just incredibly elastic, like yeah. Billy Bob Thompson, uh, who's someone he's, he's, I think he's just doing sketch at the magnet right now. He's mm-hmm. on my team, the missus. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything he can't do. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, like he's got an incredible vocal range so he can manipulate himself in, in insane ways. And he's an incredibly physical performer Yeah, and it, he's just elastic. Like I believe all these changes he makes. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Um, but that's like, you know, that's gravy when you can be that many things. I think like, even if you have a limited range, you can still be an incredible sketch actor. If you have, if you, if you're okay with being transparent, if you're not, you know, if the effort, we don't see the work, you yeah. know what I mean? You don't want to see the work. We should just see a person existing, you know, um, and, and dealing with these things in real time. There's some people who their range is pretty limited, but within that limited range, you believe everything that they every do. single thing. Yeah. And I think that there are people who are good at, at believing what they're saying. They, mm-hmm. they just, they bring sincerity to it yeah. and that sincerity makes things super clear. Yeah. So it, 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 I find that very hopeful because I have no range myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, let's talk about the missus for a second. Cool. Cause you guys have, have, I think a well-deserved reputation for, for, for feeling more like a band in a way. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've never been part of a band. I am awful with music and yeah. instruments. Yeah. I mean, I don't get music at all. Yeah. You know, every six I even have I a hard to, time like, listening to music and I, and it makes me feel so like a loser. You I'm know, a podcast person. I listen, I love listening to people talk. Me too. Yeah, me too. I, it, it's, uh, this is embarrassing to say, but for me, like music doesn't really affect me until I've seen it in a movie first. And then once oh, I've seen it in a movie, true. now when I hear it, I have the associations of the movie and that brings it to life. And then I'll start to get interested mm-hmm. in that artist and start to get interested in who influenced them. And then I'll kind of cool. develop a little bit of like exploring on my own. But I, I'm not the kind of person who I can just hear a song come up and instantly connect with it. Like I need, yeah. 
I need See, more I, I, I love associating music with people. Like yeah. people recommend me music all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I get into things. Yeah. And also, like, uh, I love to dance. Yeah. And so, or, and, and I like to exercise a lot. And so, like, songs that, that get me moving, I'm yeah. into. Yeah. But they really, I, they're utilitarian. Like, I won't listen to them casually. It's like, I get it. because I want to dance, I will put this on in my house alone. Yeah, sure. You I know, get that. like that sort of thing. Or like, but the only thing I'll really listen to on my own is like um, stuff that I associate with my father is like, um, you know, Etta James, like 1940s, 50s girls do up, you know, and, yeah. and like soul singers, like that sort of thing. And a little bit of like 70s funk I'll listen to. I like stuff that kind of like puts me in, in like another world. I, I, like yeah. I like things that sort of uh, um, bring like a whiff of like a different time period mm-hmm. to me that, you yeah. know, they give that, that just like little tiny tingle of, uh, um, you just kind of feel like that. Oh, there, mm-hmm. there, there is a past. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, that's I, true. I don't, I don't know. Uh, um, oh, but the misses like a band. The misses like a band. That's cool. So, uh, um, so what? Tell me a little bit about the team. Like, what, what is like the flavor of the team? What makes you guys so good? Oh, that's nice. Um, well, I think uh, we know each other very well. We love spending time together. Was this something that bef- did you guys know each other really well beforehand, or you worked? We've on all this? worked together in different combinations. A lot of us have worked together in different teams. Um, Ingrid and uh, Todd have worked together before on Despacho on other sketch teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of us were on a sketch team called Fat Kids. Um, that was before we call it Mrs. Two Point. You know, One Point mm-hmm. But um, I think. There's a there's a playfulness and everyone on the team is a very strong performer and so and has a very specialized skill set and so we really like coming in and figuring out ways to activate each other. Mm-hmm. Do you guys write for each other specifically? A lot of times, yeah. Yeah. Um a lot of times, yeah. Like uh you know, one thing I think of that comes to mind immediately is like Becca wrote this really fun not ninja landlord sketch for mm-hmm. Jamal yeah. because she knew he would crush it. Yeah. I mean, cause and everyone, it's weird. Everyone on the team has such a distinct personality yeah. that it's really, it's, it's really fun to write for these people. Yeah. And I think there's also like a little bit of an irreverence that we all have for, for topics in general. Like we're all, um, we're, we're all a, a little bit crass, a little bit extreme. Like mm-hmm. we really like group energy sketches yeah. where we're not afraid. We love having a lot of people on stage. We like having huge moments of theatricality. We like taking a simple thing to a very extreme place where the world changes yeah. in pursuit of this behavior or idea. Like, um, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting because I would have never worked with these people if it weren't for sketch. Like, I would have never worked with Todd Schaefer, who's incredible and mm-hmm. such a weird man. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, in I mean that in the greatest way. Like, he has uh, I can't remember who wrote that sketch for him. Um, I think it was Jamal of uh, of like a James Lipton who is just so impressed by it's so simple. I think that's another thing is like the sketches we write at the core, the best ones have the dumbest, and I mean that in like the highest praise of way. It's sure. the, like I think that's another thing that 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 we all agree on is like dumb is the best compliment. Yeah. It's like, it's stupid and sincere in a fun way. Yeah. Like, uh, there's a character that, um, that I, I believe it's Jamal and I'm, I'm going to feel bad if I misattribute this, but, uh, Jamal wrote for Todd where he was a James Lipton who was just so impressed that actors could do anything. Mm-hmm. So we'd show a clip <laughs> of the movie and then like, it'd be a, and like, uh, there's, and it would turn out to be that, like, uh, I guess uh, Andy, for example, An- there was a clip of Andy as a homeless man trying on a, on a self, like trying to contact his wife on a payphone, and uh, he can't. And then they welcome the actor out, and it turns out that Andy's British, mm-hmm. and Todd freaks out. Actors are so insane. That's not your real voice, you know, like that sort of thing. Like just so bowled over by the flexibility of actors, and it's so simple, yeah, and it's so energy based. Yeah. Like a lot of our best stuff is is there's just a thrust of. I think our shows, what we try to do is just have a bunch of energy. Yeah. Contained, contained explosives. Yeah. Is like barely contained explosives. And we've got people like Sebastian who just like know how to milk the shit out of anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's fun to play with these personalities. Like we all have such distinct, and I like to throw myself around on stage. Like I love to be physical in sketches especially. And so like I, I think that's, it's fun when people write me things where I get to do that. You know, I think one of the things like when you're improvising, you know, it's sort of like a mantra in the culture to support each other um, mm-hmm. and to make each other look good. And I think that that's one of those mantras that um, uh, 
uh, as often as not, people don't really live to that. You mm-hmm. kind of get in there and you get sort of hung up on yeah. your idea or, or whatever. Um, there's something so great about like being aware of the strengths and the talents and the interests of the people in your group mm-hmm. and then tailoring your work to showcase them. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if you found this, but, um, I find that when you're writing for someone else, suddenly you can see things and you can do things Mm -hmm. that just sitting down to write a good sketch are like impossible. Like I can't, I heard a truth story one time, uh, um, or like, I can't write a joke for the life of me. I'm a terrible writer. (laughs) But uh, I knew the guy who was going to play the comedian in this one story mm-hmm. is about a stand-up comedian. And I wrote like 60 jokes or something. And of those 60, like five were actually pretty funny. It's wow. like, oh, and it's just thinking about this other person's voice and thinking about uh, uh, how they're going to do it. That suddenly mm-hmm. it's like, oh, when it's not me, when it's not my yeah. idea that, that's living or dying, but mm-hmm. I'm doing it for you. All of a sudden you're that's capable great. of great stuff. You well, know? And that's also what like envisioning a character is. That's interesting. Because the best characters are people. Yeah. And like that you can see in so many ways. Like one of the ways that I love to teach second beats when I teach level two Mm -hmm. is I'll have two people do a scene. And then uh, while one person is out of the room, they don't see this scene. They, they're not allowed to be in the room at all. And uh, when they come in uh, after the scene is over, that, that person, the third person who wasn't privy to the scene, like just points at a person. And now that person that they point to uh, just has to be the same character that they were in that first scene. Mm. And they get a new suggestion and they do a brand new scene. The person who entered the room and just pointed to the person has no idea who this person is. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have faith that this other person is just going to keep up being who they are. Yeah. And they're always hysterical. Everybody lo- like they- they're always successful too. Yeah. It's because, you know, by that second beat, they're just trying to be this person. And that's funnier. Yeah. Like it's just when you see a good sketch, it's like, oh, I know that guy. That that person feels real. There's something that feels real to me, real to you, even if they're like on Mars or just like, you know, a bunch of crazy people. Like there's something that feels real. And like if you can envision a person, a real person while you're writing, yeah. it makes, it permeates the choices. Like it becomes automatically more grounded because it's like, oh, Sebastian's going to be this like fat vampire. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the, it, it just becomes, it, you can't help but but fill it in a, in a little bit more concrete terms if a vampire becomes a vampire when they're overweight Mm -hmm. does that mean that for now like they can never lose weight for the rest of eternity i'm trying to figure it out because i'm literally trying to write a fat vampire sketch because there's like interview with the vampires like what kirsten dunce has bitten as a little girl and now she's Uh always a little girl forever she can never yeah right i think you are frozen so you'd never be so if you have like type 2 diabetes and you're stuck with your disease yeah i think you're stuck with it i think you may have just helped me crack open this sketch because we're doing a concept show uh uh, for june uh which starts june 13th friday the 13th is when we premiere we have the 20th and 27th uh the concept of the show is is the hbo sketch show Mm. so we're doing you know sketches inspired by hbo parroting hbo sketches and dealing with the people who watch hbo and all and all all that is quality crass sunday programming yeah uh, uh, how long does it take you guys to craft a show on average? I mean, it's kind of like my theory on homework. It expands or contracts to fill the time that you allot it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So be- we're right. Ri- I mean, it's taking us a while to get this show going. We're still writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I mean, I guess two weeks is really all you really need. Take me to, take me through two weeks in the life of the missus. Like, what what does that look like? What does your schedule look like? Um, well, we'll go through. So usually, um, the workload is like we try to bring in. Uh, and, and Matt J is our director, Matt J Weir, and he's incredible with us because mm-hmm. he shares our sensibility. I think he writes when when the kinds of shows that he writes with uh, his partner uh, Matt B Weir mm-hmm. are the kinds of things that we that we aspire to of like creating these whole worlds. That somehow, like, even though the show has this huge structure and thrust, like, every scene is its own sketch and has Which, its own standalone thing. By the way, I should also say for our listeners, uh, if you've never seen Matt J. Weir and Matt B. Weir in their duo, Weir Matt Weir, uh, yeah, it's have insane. To. It's mind blowing what they're capable funny, of. It's not only funny, but it, you also are never able to anticipate what they're going to put up. It's always something exactly. completely unique, and and you just have to take them on their own terms. They're so great. They're so great, and so it's such a joy to work with Matt. Yeah. And so what he had us do, he this is the thing that he implemented that now I encourage all sketch teams to do because it's such a good method. Is when you come in with an idea. So the, the, let's say the two weeks prior point. 
you have a one pager of a sketch. So it's not just you're coming in and pitching an idea for a sketch. It's that you've already put it uh, in a, you know, you've done just a page, the first page of the sketch. So you've already give, made some choices. Mm-hmm. So you're not coming in with just this flexible, nebulous idea that we don't know where it may go. You have dialogue. You've, you have dialogue. Exchange, you have huh? a couple characters. You have a mm-hmm. premise. You have the first introduction of the game. And from there, we riff and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so we'll read it, and then we'll just like be like, oh, great, this is, this is interesting, you know, um, I really like this, you know, actually, even though it seems like you're setting up the sketch for this is to be the most interesting part of it, like the thing that got the funniest laugh in the room was this. So like, let's figure out how to activate that game or that pattern or that behavior as many times or like, where do you see this going? Like, we'll, we'll kind of all touch a sketch early on that one pager really makes it a great way for even though it's one person's idea for us all to figure out how to build it and craft it together. And then you also bring in a rewrite. So we'll read it and We'll talk about what works, what doesn't, you know, what can be cut. Um, and we we riff a lot. That's one thing that we do a lot in the room is we'll just dick around with jokes and figuring out, like, what's the funniest part of this. Mm-hmm. But each, I guess, individual writer is mostly responsible for, like, the structure of the thing. Mm-hmm. And then we're all figuring out how to punch up or take it and, you know, crack it. We, we often talk about sketches of like we're trying to crack it, you know, figure out what is this. We know the idea is good. The impulse is always right because you wanted to write a sketch about it. There's something that's worth salvaging most of the time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to let the thing die. But most of the time, you know, we'll spend a considerable amount of time, you know, trying to crack a sketch. And um, and that's how pretty much all of our meetings look like that. There's a mix of one pagers and rewrites. Mm-hmm. And if it's something we've been with for a long time, we battle with like, oh, are we not laughing because something's not working or because we've heard it a lot? And figuring out how to keep it fresh. How um, do, you, do you get like outside people to come and listen to something to give you perspective, or you just trust? No, your, we just trust each other, yeah. and like we're all very honest and comfortable with each other. Yeah. So, um, funny wins. I think that's the most important thing, and it's easier in sketch. I think yeah. to detach from the from the thing because it's it's on paper. It's not you. Yeah. You know, improv it can be hard because you're giving a note to a person who's actively in control of every single move as they're happening. Yeah. Uh, a sketch, you kind of write it, and now we can distance ourselves, talk about it, we can fix it, and this thing still exists outside yeah. of you, even after the changes. Yeah. You are still you while you're improvising, and it's it's a little more delicate. Yeah. Um, and what that's what makes it a little more you know dangerous, which makes it a little more exciting to watch sometimes. Uh, um. So how long? How long before you have your first page of the sketch into blocking rehearsals, costuming? Um, we, it's usually like the, a a week before the show is like, we finalize the sketches, Mm -hmm. you know, um, we've been dealing with a little bit of a, because we've got a lot of busy people. We've been dealing with a little bit of a compressed timeline a not ideal timeline in terms of rehearsal. And that's the thing that one of the things I want to change with the sketch program is, you know, because the turnaround is so fast, sometimes we can, especially when you have a team with very strong performers, you can get a little lazy about Mm -hmm. putting in that time to block and set things. You know, but we'll often have like an extra. So every week we have a writing meeting and then the week of the show, we'll have extra supplemental meetings to rehearse sketches or to finalize rewrites. Mm -hmm. And so then we'll block things. And as we're blocking things, that's usually when the buttons get fixed. That's usually where we find that last moment. We'll often, even like on a Sunday, sometimes we'll be like, I know this button doesn't work, but we'll find it on the day because we'll be running it. And as you run it, you start to find new things. And we'll often swap out like... One of the things I love about my team is that we won't do enormous rewrites on show day, but nothing is precious. And because it's sketch and because you have this foresight and you have this time, it's like it's easy enough to swap in and out a couple jokes, you know, and so we keep it loose in that way. So we'll we'll still have the script and we'll still try, you know, be on book. But it's it's this idea of like if, if all of a sudden you know, J- you know, Jamal thinks of a, of a hysterical physical bit that necessitates a little bit of rewriting we'll put it in. Yeah. So that's the blocking phase is usually like uh, an extra rehearsal and then Sunday day of show when we're doing our regular rotation, we'd pretty much dedicate the whole day to just running things over and over and over again. You're um, uh, also a great director. What's what's your theory on a good running order for a show? Oh, okay. I have a lot of good theories and I love working with Matt closely about this stuff. Um, So I think you want to start with something that has a lot of people and is relatively short. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'll put sketches that are fun, have a lot of energy, have a lot of most of the team on it and are short. Um, but maybe not doesn't have like the strongest button or blackout because you can end on an upswing of energy and that can carry over through to the show. 
um, I'll either start with something like that or a quick blackout sketch, something that has like just one beat, like a, a one or two page sketch, but something just immediately with a gust of energy, positive, you know, group scene usually. Um, and then a, there's usually like a little video segment for our team. Um, I try to vary the energy. So I like to alternate um, two person sketches with ones that are larger, mm-hmm. you know, relationship patient sketches. I try to put towards the beginning of the show because the audience has a little more patience for the energy. Um, and I try to just, just alternate, alternate the energies a little bit. So I, I try not to put two, two scenes that are two people, person scenes back to back. There's no exact science, but I also like, uh, I mean, this is just housekeeping, but I always put the, the messiest sketch at the end. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, messy in terms of out of control or messy in terms of kind of not quite uh, uh, streamlined. Oh, I mean messy in terms of like if oh, there's physically blood. messy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean that's dumb, but um, no, that but that makes sense because you, yeah. you have to. It's equal part mm-hmm. directing anything is equal parts like artistic uh, and uh, practical, and practical, yeah. and that's a real practical thing of like somebody's got to clean it, and if you have to clean up in the middle of mm-hmm. the show, it eats into time yeah. and, it, and it screws with the rhythm of things. Yeah. And I'll also like um, a sketch that I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to go. Yeah. I'll put it. Um, so a sketch show probably has like six sketches in a half hour. I, and some teams are getting a little too long in there with the shows and they know who they are, but, um, <laughs> but it should Take be six sketches. Us, okay. Uh, I don't care how good they are. It should be six sketches. Um, usually I'll, a sketch that I'm not certain about, I'll put forth right after a strong sketch. Mm-hmm. That's like the, to give them the benefit of the doubt of the mm-hmm. upswing of the audience's energy. But uh, I'll also pat it that there's more to come. You don't yeah. want to, you want to, I want to, I start with either my, I start with the second or strongest sketch and I end with the second or strongest sketch. Mm-hmm. You want to have a good start and finish. Yeah. Um, and you also want uh, the fifth sketch to have like, be maybe the third best. You want to ramp up into that energy. Yeah. And then the fourth is something that maybe I'm, we're, we're genuinely don't know. We're trying something. Um the two person relationship sketch is going to go third or um, third or second. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my structure. How important is like, um, uh, theatricality to you? I, and I mean like the plastics of it, like, cause for me, I'm on a little bit of a crusade improv wise, uh, uh, for it to look better. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I yes, I, I think it's huge because yeah. I come from theater too. Yeah. And, um, I think it just, it's a show and, yeah. and like sketch is more like theater than improv is a mm-hmm. little bit like, cause there's, there's lines and there's memorization and there's, you know, like I think you get away with less, you know, you, you need to have more theatricality. You need to make an effort there. Yeah. I think stage picture is something that like any, everyone should be doing improv and sketch alike. Like, varying that stage picture. If I see two people standing in the middle of the stage talking to each other again, it's like, I'm not going to remember this as a person on your team or otherwise it's, it's tough because I, I want to be able to call this thing back. And I, I, I like to have things placed differently in space. And also they mean different things. It can enhance like having a scene where everyone's huddled, you know, uh, against that back wall is an interesting, if it's a choice is fascinating. Right. And it says a lot about who these people are. You know, same thing as like people who are like leaning against like that pole, that bit, that big pillar. That's a choice. You yeah. know, I think everything is a choice on stage. We're, we're, everything is a choice. Why not be conscious about each one of them? Yeah. And like with sketches, I think, um, we want to stay in your show. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm dealing with right now is like theatricality and production value are different things. Mm-hmm. And so many times I'll see like a two minute long or a minute 30 long scene change that is unnecessary because someone wants to put on like a shitty, you know, uh, a shitty doctor costume from head to toe. And it's right. like, what is this adding? Yes, it's a theatrical element. Costumes are, but like what was it worth the dip in energy? Like th- that's also the scene changes. That is also theatricality. That's a dip in energy that the audience yeah. is experiencing. And that's one of the things that misses really tries. I mean, that's maybe one thing where we feel like a rocks, like a, like a, like a punk rock show is like, we like to keep the energy going and the scene changes. Like we'll dance, we'll do, we we try to keep them as tight as possible. Yeah. Or like if you're on stage and the lights aren't up yet, you are your character still yeah. because we can see you. Yeah. I don't like seeing the hurry. Yeah. I don't like seeing the seams. Yeah. It, it, for me, that theatricality has to do with a heightened sense of presence mm-hmm. and, and, um, uh, words, the words that you use matter in a 
heightened way, mm-hmm. and the actions that you yeah. take matter in a heightened way. And That's a great way of thinking of it. So it, it, it just means that it, you should be designing your event to look intentional. And I believe that with improv, too. Yeah. I think that, like, people treat improv too casually sometimes, yeah. that if you treat it as if it's intentional, uh, mm-hmm. you can take it to that place where it is a little bit closer to to kind yeah. of a poetry, you know? Um um, how would a student interested in doing sketch get involved with the sketch program here at the Magnet? What, oh. are, what are the steps that they oh would take? Oh, boy. Um, one, see the shows. See a sketch show. I think it's very important to see what you're dealing with. So um, our our shows, our season is ending. So June 8th is the best of show for uh, three of our teams. Uh, for um, American Wormholes, for Party, and for Action Park. So mm-hmm. come see that uh, at 7.30 on June 8th. Uh, Talk to me personally. You can email me. There's also level one classes. Uh, in order to apply to be on a sketch team, you need to have at least be enrolled in level two. It's sketch. Sketch level two. Sketch level two, mm-hmm. which is a performance-based level. So um, you're writing sketches and you do a show. Um, level one is a fantastic... I think one of the things that separates our level one from other level ones and sketch is that it's a survey of comedy writing. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just stage sketch writing. You will write monologue jokes. You'll write desk pieces. You'll talk about commercial parodies. You'll deal with comedy writing in a whole Mm -hmm. because the practical comedy writing professionally is not just sketches. Mm -hmm. It's very rarely that, in fact. So that's what I love. And Armando teaches most of those classes, and he's incredible. Um, It's also one of the few places where you can you get to study with Armando. He doesn't teach very much. Exactly. And it's insane, uh, his brain. is just, in, you have to, you have to take with Armando. Yeah. Um, so I take a level one. There are also, um, uh, there's a show called Sketch in Progress that Sebastian Canelli runs, who's also on my team, the Mrs. Um, you, anyone can sign up and just have your sketch performed. You can perform in it. You can bring a cast if you want to. Um, you can just hand sheets of paper to people in the audience and they will do the sketch. One of the things I want to do as sketch director is create more opportunities for people to um, have places that they can submit their writing to, mm-hmm. you know, like variety type shows, um, bit shows, you know, another fantastic thing to go see and get involved in is, is you know, that's it's another kind of sketch is, is character writing and, and solo character performance, which Jana and Lauren have, uh, Jana Schmeeding and Lauren Olson have cornered the market and they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. They do a monthly show on Fridays at seven and I'm performing this Friday at seven. Um, and they, uh, it's, they they have a semi-open... I mean, you email them if you're interested and you have a character, you can pitch one to them and, and you can perform it there. But I want to increase the opportunities in the way that like we have Magnet Mixer, you know, increase, you know, structured opportunities for writers to get their work done or seen, you know, some sort of in-between step between level one and level two or even level two and the sketch teams. A place where you can keep growing as a writer and seeing it done. Because I think the most important thing as a sketch writer is to have them not just live in your computer is mm-hmm. to have people get up and do them and see them on stage and see how an audience is reacting to them and people who don't know you. And, um, I think we can have more of those spaces at the theater. Yeah. So a student goes through sketch one, mm-hmm. sketch two, sketch two, how, if they're interested in performing with the team and having a run for the season, how do they do that? Um, if they want to be on a sketch team yeah. or okay, if you want to be on a sketch team there, uh, every six months or so we have an application process. The mm-hmm. applications will be open in, uh, August, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, you submit, a, a te- like a writing sample. So two sketches or no more than 10 pages. Um, and, uh, answer a couple questions about yourself and mm-hmm. about your style. And, and, um, I'm also going to be including this time, uh, a link, an optional link to a performance because everyone on our teams is a writer and a performer so that I can get a sense of who you are as a performer as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and when you're casting groups together, are you casting based on, you're, you're trying to create a harmonious Trying to create a harmonious balance. And you know, it's the same thing with Megawatt. Like uh, someone may be a fantastic improviser or, or sketch comedian, but they may not work right. with a certain group. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot of time with a lot of people. Yeah. Certain people work differently. You yeah. know, some people might not like this concept of one pagers. You know what I mean? Right. Someone might not like having, you know, uh, being able to, you know, the, the too much riffing or, or not enough riffing. You know what I mean? Like they, some people might need lockdown scripts. Some people might like uh, sketches that, uh, that that aren't you know I mean it's it's a taste thing so I am looking as well to put together teams that that are are gonna have simpatico folks on it and um, I know like when I'm putting together megawatt groups megawatt for anybody who's listening who doesn't know is just it's the those are our house teams our improv house teams at the Magnet Wednesdays uh, seven eight nine mm-hmm. and ten uh, um, 
my kind of standards that I have in mind, I'm looking for groups that are funny, but I'm also looking for a particular kind of intelligence. I'm looking mm-hmm. for that kind of transparency that we were yeah. talking about. I'm looking for a sense of theatricality, and I'm looking for for a sense of passion. I'm looking mm. for people who yes. really love doing that show. Um, what are the standards that you're kind of holding uh, Sketch Night to? I want to see... I want someone on a sketch team who is gracious mm-hmm. of the ideas of other people like and, and if feedback on a team yeah. is dedicated, is consistent, is able to produce two sketches a week. Mm-hmm. That's a tall order. Every single week, you have to write two sketches. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> I don't, you have to write them. You have to love to write. Um, you need to be supportive. Um, you need to be creative within limitations. There are, there, you don't have an unlimited budget. You need to be able to, to, to be inventive. Um, and I, I'm looking for a good actor. I'm looking for someone who's transparent. I'm looking for someone uh, who's who's writing who has um, intelligence, you know, and a sense of theatricality. Um, I'm also constantly uh, I want to I want to have my standards challenged. Mm-hmm. I want I'm looking for someone with a unique point of view. I don't want to see some. I, I mean, I would like to see someone that's writing from their voice and not writing from what they think you know, uh, the nineties SNL voices, you know what I mean? I want to see a unique voice. I want to see people writing things that of their experience that they're interested in. Yeah. I think you've got to be truthful and sketch falsity rings out very true. Yeah. Uh, um, I had this like mini epiphany recently, uh, the old adage of write what you know, Yeah. you know, and, uh, it like, uh, the thought occurred to me of like, write what you see because Mm -hmm. I don't really know a lot. Yeah. You know, but like there's something that like if you're writing what you see around you, I, I, to me it almost feels like there's the opportunity to really share your uniqueness. Mm-hmm. Whereas, I mean, we were talking about this yeah. earlier, when you're, when you're striving to do something that expresses your individuality, oftentimes you end up repeating mm-hmm. a series of cliches and stereotypes, yeah. you know. But when you're just trying to be faithful to what you see, um, that's where you kind of tip mm-hmm. your hand a little bit and show people uh, uh, something about yourself yeah. almost despite yourself without trying, you know, there's a, a Tom Wolf quote that I'm going to bastardize right now. Um, but he says that, you know, a, a novelist, and I think this is true of, of, of any kind of writer, you know, the first, um, the first book is good because it's a cert, you know, it's a collection, a compilation of the best experiences of the best memories of the best you know, things that, uh, you know, the most interesting and exciting things that the, the writer has experienced up to that point. That's what the first book is. The second point, if they get it, is um, usually, you know, uh, you know, dealing with the remnants of what didn't make it into the first book and also heavily focusing on the writer's experience between the first and second book. The third book, if a writer makes it to that point, is the best book because they've learned how to look outside of themselves. Mm-hmm for inspiration. Mm-hmm. They've learned how to write about things that are not themselves while being themselves. Yeah. Which is what you've said, but uh that that quote it I think about that a lot when I'm writing. Yeah. It's like how this isn't a diary. Right. A sketch isn't just, you know, this happened to me today. It's it's what did that what did that catalyze? Yeah. I I very much so think that like improv and, and sketch writing in general is like you make one choice and you let the rest bleed and yeah. ripple out yeah, yeah. and you get out of its way. Like yeah. an analogy I use a lot when I'm teaching is, you know, you're putting a drink, a, a drop of, of ink on rice paper and letting it bleed. And in a Herald, you're doing that with three disparate drops and you're letting them bleed into each other. You're just expanding, constantly expanding that choice. And how do we, what are the effects of this choice? Yeah. And a good sketch does that too. Uh, um, real quick, apart from now heading uh, the sketch program, mm-hmm. you're also a terrific improviser Aww. and a terrific teacher uh, uh, and super experienced with Kiss Punch Palm oh, and The yeah. Boss and Namaste at yeah. UCB. Oh, Namaste actually was just retired. Oh, well, But I'm, I'm on a so new team now, sorry. Women and Men. Women and Men at UCB. <laughs> yeah, we just, we've had our second show last night. Great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. I love them. They're a great group of people. A lot of Namaste people. But cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you still love improvising? I love it. Yeah. It's you feel like you're flying. I go through phases. Sometimes it's harder than others, but yeah. the more I've been doing it now since 2000, Jesus Christ. I've been doing it since 2006. Yeah. So that doesn't that's not that long, but it feels like long for yeah. me because it's 2014. Um you get into your decade mark. I'm getting to it. I can't wait. Oh my god, I'll make a cake for myself. Yeah. But uh I love it. It's the best training for acting, period. You just whenever I'm stuck and I still get stuck, you know, there are times where, I'm, where I feel I'm plateauing or I'm like, oh, I'm not feeling as connected. What's going on? Mm-hmm. 
and it's it's detachment. It's always detachment. It's always because I'm I I'm, I'm not being present and typically it's because I'm not being present and just being affected by everything that's happening. Yeah. You can't go wrong. It's the simplest note. And, and, and when I was learning how to teach, I was shadowing Rick Andrews classes and he's like a phenomenal level one teacher. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, you know, I think I've become a much better improviser lately because of how much I've been teaching fundamental levels mm-hmm. because those things are the, that's it. Yeah. You just be affected. Yeah. I, I find that too doing uh, uh, level two classes that like, oh, the stuff that you're teaching in level two class is literally the stuff that you're working on 12 years into the yes. game. If it you're good, stuff. It, if you're good, it's, it's those simple stuff become, you're just constantly yeah. practicing that stuff. It's listening. How do you, like one of the biggest notes I give is, and I'm bad at this sometimes and clearly I'm a little too wordy, but um, is you've got to speak in sentences, not in paragraphs. Yeah. The smaller you're offering, the easier it is to build upon it. The easier it is for your room, your, your roommate, like your, your scene roommate, your scene yeah. partner to stay in it with you. Yeah. The more you try to do on your own, the harder it is. That's such a great note. Staying together, keeping it small enough and simple enough where you stay in step with one another as opposed to suddenly veering off. And and that goes back to that idea of intention, too, Mm -hmm. of like uh, um, oftentimes the longer and more involved your move is, uh, you're speaking in a paragraph or you're moving all around the damn stage, Mm -hmm. you kind of lose sight of what the purpose behind it is. You go into like ad lib mode where you're trying to like fill in all the blanks and solve the puzzle Mm -hmm. for everybody. Whereas like sometimes just that little bit that you do, you're able to stay in touch with each other and you stay in touch with the needs Mm -hmm. and the wants of, of yourself and with your partner. And that's where it really feels alive. And that's when you're really improvising is when you're staying with someone. It's one brick that, that is the, you bring a brick, I break a brick together. We build a house, you know, like it's really is piece by piece because you can, you can feel when one person's leading it and, yeah. and not, and the other person is, is just trying to chase you, yeah. you know? Yeah. And you don't want to feel like you're being chased. I love, I, I like feeling like somebody's leading a scene because, mm. because then I just go with them. Yeah. As opposed to feeling like we're both kind of pulling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, um, uh, so if somebody wants to study with Chet Siegel, uh, where can they find you? What are you teaching these? Days? I am teaching a. Uh, I'm teaching level two. I'm also uh, teaching, uh, and there's a, a Wednesday class that's opening up. Um, I believe Wednesdays in the middle of June. I wish I should have had these dates at hand. That's okay. But you I can have look level, it up. I have a website. level two. Looking up on our website, I have a level two in mid June opening up on Wednesdays, and another level two on Saturday afternoons opening up. Uh, in late June, and uh, at the very end of June, June twenty eighth, um, I will have a uh, my very first conservatory level. Congratulations! Class. Yeah, I'm excited. I still I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what I will teach yet. That's great. So by the time it's on the website, I will have an idea. But I'm very excited. Yeah, that's yeah, I'm wonderful. Very excited, yeah. And and uh, what can people expect from your class? What do you prioritize? What what's what's important to you? Oh, I like staying with my class. Yeah. So. Um, I, there are things that I like to accomplish. I tend to get those, you know, certain tenants, especially with the early levels or certain things points, you know, I'm trying to get them to work towards this class show. I want, there are certain things I need, I need to teach them to get them ready for that, you know, long form. It's, but, um, I like to treat the first half of the class a little bit as, um, a a diagnostic. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of take the temperature of the room. And then the second half of the class is sort of tailored to the energy of the class and Mm -hmm. what is going on and how do I address that? Um, I, I, I enjoy a little bit of gentle, I enjoy gentle side coaching. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I like to stay incredibly positive. I like to keep the energy up with a team. Um, you'll, uh, with a class and a team, if I'm coaching, you'll expect a lot of standing. I like to stand when I teach and pace a little bit. So that's a warning. (laughs) It can be off, uh, can be unsettling. Um, but I like to stay with you. So I, you know, side coaching just to try to keep you in the scene, but just prompt you gentle, gentle guidance because the instincts are always right. Yeah. I'm always just trying to figure out how, whether I'm directing a sketch or whatever is finding the best home for your idea because your the idea is there's never anything wrong with an idea yeah but there are more successful ways to execute it and i'm always trying to find those more successful ways 
Kat Siegel, thank you for talking. Thank you, Lewis Kornfeld. Uh, uh, you've been listening to the Magnet Theater Podcast. I've been Lewis Kornfeld. Uh, thank you to Grant Goldberg, our engineer, and thank you to Willie Appleman. Uh, to find out more about who we are and what it is that we do, please check out our website, www.magnettheater.com, for information on our classes and our upcoming shows. Uh, thanks a lot for listening, gang. See you next time. You've been listening to The Magnet Podcast.